You are listening to a Bible-based message from River Rock Church in Belle Plaine, Minnesota. We invite you to join us Sundays at 10 a.m. We also encourage you to visit riverrockchurch.com for more information and resources. Now here is today's encouraging message from Pastor Chris Tyen. Hi, this is Pastor Chris from River Rock Church in Belle Plaine, Minnesota. It's another pre-recording for tomorrow's message for those of you that are sick or can't make it or if the rare possibility the weatherman's right and there's actually a thunderstorm at 10 a.m. Otherwise, we're going to be meeting at the Court Square Park. And if that's not available, we're going to try Union Square Park. If none of those work and it's not raining or lightning, we're going to go to the Cricket Field parking lot for an outdoor service. So I hope that you'll come. Uh, this is a preview of some of the things that I'm going to say. So we're in First uh, uh, Thessalonians chapter 4, going through the book of First Thessalonians. And we find ourselves in verse 13 to 15. We're about to talk about the return of Christ and the rapture and things like that. But I'm going to save that for next week. I just want to take a, a time out or pause to just focus on a couple of verses and talk about the Christian's view of death. We spend so much time trying to help people live uh, awesome lives before the Lord, Christian lives, that we don't spend a lot of time preparing Christians for death. And we don't really want to die. We don't want to think about death. Um, we see the death statistics every day for the COVID virus now. It shows how many people have the virus and how many people died. Uh, people are dying all the time. Uh, we are born and we are going to die unless Jesus comes back and gets us before then. But we're going to talk about that next week, the rapture. Right now, I want to talk to you about the Christian's confident hope when facing, facing, <laughs> when facing death or experiencing grief. So the Christian's confident hope. Uh, when I think that I'm about to die, I think to myself, okay, God, you created me. You know the chapters of my life. Is this it? Is this how I'm going to go out? Is this how my life ends? And then the sickness or the accident or uh, whatever it is doesn't happen. And I'm still alive today to accomplish God's purposes, uh, to glorify God, to uh, build relationships, or even repair relationships. So anyway, uh, are you confident when it comes to dying that you're ready to go to heaven? Um, not that you should be all excited about it. As a matter of fact, I was uh, telling my doctor one time uh, during my annual checkup, I said it's hard to preach about heaven and not get excited to go there. And he went over to his little computer and he was about to type something in. He looks at me and said, are you suicidal? And I'm like, no, I'm not suicidal. I'm just thinking that I'd hate for my body to outlast my mind. He's like, I don't think that's going to happen. But anyway, um, I know that someday I'm going to die. Uh, hopefully it will be a long time, but I want to do all that I can to live for Jesus and bring as many people as I can to heaven with me. I've got my ticket purchased. Uh, Jesus paid the price for my salvation. I'm ready to go to heaven if I were to die today. And I hope by the time this message is over, if you're not, that you will be. All right, the Christian's confident hope when facing death. So this week we're going to talk about that. Uh, next week we're going to talk about preparing for Jesus to come get his church. So I'm uh, going to talk about the rapture, um, kind of a divisive topic uh, among certain people, but it's right there in the passage. Uh, and then we're going to look at the uh, living in expectation of the Lord's return on the 23rd of August. So those are the things we're going to talk about in the month of August from the book of First. Thessalonians, if you missed the past messages, you can go online to riverrockchurch.com slash watch or riverrockchurch.com slash listen. 
and find out more information. And if you want to uh, support our ministry to help us keep going, especially when funds are tight in the midst of all this COVID stuff, um, you can go to riverrockchurch.com slash give. All right. So anyway, um, so I've experienced grief and pain of death. So when I was a little kid, my uh, parents got divorced when I was really young and ended up living at my grandparents' house with my dad and my grandma. She was like a mom to me and I loved her and she loved me and she got breast cancer and she died when I was like six. And that was traumatic. That was really hard to get over. So um, that was my first real experience with death. Uh, I've had multiple experiences with dogs that I loved dying. That's hurtful and painful and uh, grieve that too. And then the worst, most traumatic experience with death that I've ever had was about four years ago, my adult son uh, died of an accidental drug overdose. Uh, we thought he was doing good. It was totally unexpected. It took us by great surprise and uh, it was crushing. So anyway, I don't know how people can handle death without hope, without the eternal hope of everlasting life, without the eternal hope of being able to see your loved ones who have believed in Jesus again. So anyway, so that's why I want to talk about this uh, subject of death, and I'm going to do everything I can to make sure it's appropriate for all ages. So, all right, so I was reading an article, and it said that Robert Bauer was one of two full-time morticians on the staff at Dover, and he's seen plenty during his 40-plus years in the business as a mortician. American soldiers who don't survive the conflict in Iraq came back to Dover Air Force Base in Delaware. So since 1955, the Dover mortuary has been the next to last stop for some 60,000 Americans, most killed in service to their country. As difficult as the mortician's job may be, the hardest part of the job, according to Bauer, is dealing with anguished loved ones. No matter how horrific the death, he finds it easier to deal with the autopsy room than the grief of those left behind. Four decades in the business has taught him that all grief is not created equal. He says when a family comes in here with some kind of faith, some kind of belief in God, they hold up so much better than someone who has nothing to hold on to. And we need to have a faith to hold on to, and we need to pass that faith on to others so that they too can have a faith to hold on to. Death is inevitable. Uh, we are all going to die, like I mentioned before. Uh, we often teach about Christian living, but not about Christian dying. And we, as a church, as River Rock Church, we want to do everything we can to depopulate hell. We want to do everything we can to help you stand with great confidence and assurance before the Lord Jesus Christ when this life is done. So Paul thought it was important uh, for the young believers at Thessalonica to also know uh, what's happening to their loved ones who have died. Uh, what happens after death? And he's writing here to comfort the brokenhearted Thessalonians uh, whose loved ones had died. So let's look at the passage. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 through 15. And right now I'm reading out of the NIV. All right, the passage says, Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death, so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. Verse 15, According to the Lord's word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. First Thessalonians 4, 13 to 15. So death. Someone who has died looks like he is sleeping. So number one, death is like sleeping. 
Jesus, in John 11, Jesus said Lazarus had fallen asleep, meaning that he had died. Sleep speaks of rest after a long, hard labor. For Christians, death is temporary, like a nap. And sleep here refers to the body, not the soul. So we're not talking about soul sleep. We're talking about the rest for the body. A Christian body sleeps until it's resurrected. Some people have peaceful deaths uh, are buried. And you see them in an open coffin, and they're lying there, and they just seem so peaceful, like they're sleeping. Other people have more violent deaths, car accidents, war, um, all sorts of things, explosions. Um, some people, uh, their deaths are very destructive, and their bodies, there's not a whole lot left of them. Um, some people are cremated. Uh, some people now who are cremated have their ashes packed into fireworks, and they go out with a bang. Literally, look it up. It happens. It's a, it's a thing people are doing now. Other people are having their ashes planted to grow trees or, or whatever. But anyway, in the bodily resurrection, God can bring all that stuff back together, all those molecules back together to reunite your soul with your body. So it's not like your body, uh, you just cease to exist. Every part of you ceases to exist. No, your soul goes on and you remain conscious, uh, conscious of what's going on. But death is like sleeping. Number two, uh, we are conscious after death. So uh, life after death, uh, Luke 16, um, tells the story of a rich man and a beggar, Jesus does. Uh, when they died, the beggar went to Abraham's bosom, and the rich man went to the place of torments, Hades. We saw that, see that the soul is conscious after death. In Hades, people are fully conscious and feel pain. It's not a place anyone wants to be. It's a place of torture, suffering, and eternal separation from God. They'll just read that out of the New Living Translation. Jesus said, verse Luke 16, verses 19 to 23. Jesus said, There was a certain rich man who was splendidly clothed in purple and fine linen and who lived each day in luxury. At his gate lay a poor man named Lazarus who was covered with sores. As Lazarus lay there longing for scraps from the rich man's table, the dogs would come in and lick his open sores. Finally, the poor man died and was carried by the angels to be with Abraham. The rich man also died and was buried. And his soul went to the place of the dead. There in torment, he saw Abraham in the far distance with Lazarus at his side. The rich man shouted, Father Abraham, have some pity. Send Lazarus over here to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. I am in anguish in these flames. But Abraham said to him, Son, remember that during your lifetime you had everything you wanted, and Lazarus had nothing. So now he is here being comforted, and you are in anguish. And besides, there is a great chasm separating us. No one can cross over to you from here, and no one can cross over to us from there. Then the rich man said, Please, Father Abraham, at least send him to my father's home, for I have five brothers, and I want him to warn them so they don't end up in this place of torment. But Abraham said, Moses and the prophets have warned them. Your brothers can read what they wrote. The rich man replied, No, Father Abraham, but if someone is sent to them from the dead, then they will repent of their sins and turn to God. And there's so much stuff in that story that Jesus told that you should uh, study and think about. Uh, is it a window uh, to what happens when people die as we are waiting um, for our um, glorified bodies, which we'll talk more about next week. So anyway, I'm going to move on for the sake of time. But just think about that. Uh, but don't be uninformed or ignorant about death. Number three, don't be uninformed or ignorant about death. So there's always been speculation about death because ancient pagan belief systems 
because of them, the Thessalonians were ignorant about Christian death. So they didn't really know what happened to the Christ follower after they died. And Paul is teaching them, showing them. Paul is uh, not making this stuff up. It's get, being given to him by the Holy Spirit. Uh, so it's a, a message from God. It's the information we need uh, to live the Christian life and to have hope in Christ. All right, the Creator pre-wired us to look forward to eternity. Uh, in Ecclesiastes 3.11, it says, He has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the human heart, yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. So God has placed eternity in the heart of men and women. So they know in their hearts there must be something more. They know, uh, the ones that don't deny it, that there must be more to this life. Uh, there must be something else besides this. And this is why so many cultures have had some form of belief in the afterlife, even though uh, Jesus says in John 14, 6, that he is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but through him. So they're misinformed. But anyway, God uh, pre-wired us to look forward to eternity. Randy Alcorn in the book Heaven, uh, <clears throat> he writes that all cultures long for heaven. He writes... The sense that we will live forever somewhere has shaped every civilization in human history. Australian aborigines pictured heaven as a distant island beyond the western horizon. The early Finns thought it was a distant island in the faraway east. Mexicans, Peruvians, and Polynesians believed that they went to the sun or the moon after death. Native Americans believed that in the afterlife their spirits would hunt the spirits of buffalo. The Gilgamesh epic an ancient Babylonian legend, refers to a resting place of heroes and hints at a tree of life. In the pyramids of Egypt, the embalmed bodies had maps placed beside them as guides to the future world. The Romans believed that the righteous would picnic in the Elysian fields while their horses grazed nearby. Seneca, the Roman philosopher, said, The day thou fearest as the last is the birthday of eternity. So Randy Elkhorn wrote that in the book Heaven. Although these depictions of the afterlife differ, the unifying testimony of the human heart throughout history is belief in life after death. Anthropological evidence suggests that every culture has a God-given innate sense of the eternal, that this world is not all that there is. And maybe you have felt that too. Maybe this is the first time you've heard that Jesus Christ is the answer to uh, your separation, separation from God, to the answer to uh, dealing with the sins that you know that you've offended God with, the sins that you've uh, committed, the things that you've done that are against God's will. Uh, the longing to know how to be right with God, the longing to know that you could be assured heaven by believing in Jesus Christ. Satan wants to do everything that he can to keep you from finding that message out, to keep you from believing on the Lord Jesus Christ, to keep you from going to heaven because he wants to take you to hell with him. There are more books on death and the life after death experiences now than ever before and movies and everything else. Most of those books describe, describe seeing a white light or feeling a great peace. Perhaps people who have experienced these things have been deceived by Satan, the angel of light, who is telling them there is hope for everyone after death. The flip side of life after death experiences is usually not told. Many people will listen to the words of people who have had near-death experiences yet will reject the words of Jesus Christ, who died and rose from the dead. Uh, 2 Corinthians 11.14 says, I am not surprised even Satan disguises himself as an angel 
of light. So when you hear these stories, when you see those movies, um, check scripture and say, hey, um, maybe, maybe not. I'm not going to place my eternity on it. So believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. So anyway, the Lord reveals to us His will when it comes to uh, eternal life, when it comes to dealing with sin and being forgiven and all that that entails. We've got these Bibles, these New Believer Bibles, How to Find God New Testaments, that if you live by, we'd love to share with you. Otherwise, uh, we have links that we can send you uh, if you live far away that we could help you to uh, know Christ, uh, to grow in the Christian life, and to make Christ known. But don't be uninformed or ignorant about death. So uh, 2 Corinthians 5.1 says, For we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. That assurance there that God is going to take care of us with, with eternal bodies. Um, this body that we have, this body that I have is a tent. It's not even a real house. It's just a tent. It's temporary. So uh, we should still take care of our bodies, though, if we can. Uh, Our bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit. Our bodies can be used to accomplish God's purposes. Uh, If we can stay healthier, we can have a better quality of life and be more useful uh, for God uh, in His service. Jesus had said in John 14, 3, He said, If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you may also be where I am, in the NIV. Uh, The New Living Translation says, Jesus says, When everything is ready, I will come and get you, so that you will always be with me where I am. So, uh, we go to be in the presence of the Lord, or those who believe in Christ, as soon as we die. But eventually, we get a glorified body that will dwell with the Lord, and wherever He is, we can be, and that will be a delightful reality. Billy Graham and his wife, Ruth, were greatly used of God and had great faith, and they are a great uh, example, a model for us to follow. In the August of 2006 Newsweek magazine, they profiled the lives of Ruth and Billy, not in, not their historic evangelistic crusades and international impact, but their life as an elderly couple approaching their final chapters on earth. One thing that shone brilliantly through the pages of the article was the incredible quality of their marriage. Billy says, At night we have time together, we pray together, and read the Bible together every night. It's a wonderful period of life for both of us. We've never had a love like we do now. We feel each other's hearts. Of course, Billy is still Billy, and his gift of evangelism also sparkled through the story. He says, I think about heaven a great deal. I think about the failures in my life in the past, but I know they've been covered by the blood of Christ, and that gives me great, a great sense of confidence. I have a certainty about eternity that is a wonderful thing, and I thank God for giving me that certainty. I do not fear death. I may fear a little bit about the process, but not death itself, because I think the moment that my spirit leaves this body, I will be in the presence of the Lord. And I think that too. Amen, Billy Graham. All right, so the believer has hope. Hope that Jesus will be there for them after they die. Hope that this life that they live isn't all that they have. Hope that uh, whatever they're going through, no matter how hard it is, will uh, someday be fixed, repaired, restored, made right uh, with life in Christ. Hope. Hope. We need to even grieve a death with hope. 
You know, hope is a joyful anticipation, a confident expectation. Paul's telling these believers that their grief will be mingled with hope. Revelation 21.4 says about Jesus, He will wipe every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. And that's the future reality for the Christ follower. That is something to have hope. Hope in. Hope isn't, I hope it's going to happen. Hope is a confident assurance that it's going to happen. Um, <clears throat> Luke 23, 43, Jesus says, Truly, I tell you today, I will be, or truly today, you will be with me in paradise, he said to the thief on the cross. So if Jesus knew that um, right after this guy dies, that, and Jesus dies, that they can be together in paradise, the place uh, where Jesus is, that is an awesome place to be. And gives us confident expectation, too, that we will go directly into the presence of the Lord. Not soul sleep, not cease to exist. Uh, we won't have a body to the bodily resurrection, but we will be in the presence, conscious presence, presence of the Lord. Um, one distinguishing difference between a Christian funeral and a non-Christian funeral is hope. There's no hope for the person who dies having rejected Jesus Christ. We have this great opportunity to uh, know Jesus and to share Jesus with others so that they can experience uh, eternity and eternal hope through the difficulties, through all the difficulties, the fear of dying, the fear of death, uh, the fear of uh, going to hell, the fear of disappointing God, the fear of a worthless life, the fear of missing out on the greatest uh, things of life. The Lord cares about death. He created us, and then Adam and Eve sinned and brought death into the world, and we've been living and dying ever since. It would be weird if we all just lived forever right now anyway, because Jesus isn't reigning. Uh, so many people on the earth are so corrupt. Can you imagine if some of the most corrupt people, uh, the millionaires and billionaires who abuse their power, uh, world leaders uh, who want to uh, reign over their country or even the world, uh, for a long time, even a lifetime, just living forever uh, could just get worse and worse. But as people get old and die out, new people come on the scene and have an opportunity to glorify God and be used by God and just continues to move through. God's working out his process. God's working out his plan. And you and I are part of that. So we know that uh, this temporary life we have the Bible actually says it's like a mist. Life is like a mist. This temporary life that we have, we, we show up, we're on the stage for a bit. Uh, then eventually um, time goes on and the curtains come down and, and we're done. And uh, we're, we're not on that stage anymore. We, we move on to be with Jesus. But uh, Psalm 116, 15 says, Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his faithful servants. So the death of his faithful servants are precious in the sight of the Lord. Romans 5, 8 says, God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And Romans 6, 23 says, the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So um, when people die, uh, the Bible says that we shouldn't grieve like unbelievers who have no hope. But grieving is good. Grieving is helpful. Grieving, there's a process to grieving. Uh, the more you love someone, the longer the grieving process may be. And if somebody has died that's been very close to you, that you have loved, a child, a parent, a wife, a husband, a good friend, 
Uh, it may take a long time uh, for you to even talk about it. You may never recover fully. There always may be, be a piece of you, a part of you that's missing. But grieving is important. In the Bible, the Bible talks a lot about grieving. The Hebrews would grieve publicly for 90 days. Jacob mourned for many days when he thought Joseph had been torn apart by wild beasts. When David heard that his son Absalom was killed, he said, Would to God I died in his grief. Jesus refuted the thinking that big boys don't cry in one and when he said, or when we see that Jesus wept. And the Bible says there is a time to laugh and a time to cry in Ecclesiastes 3.4. But the Bible has many uh, stories of people grieving, and it's okay to grieve. Uh, we know that there's different stages of grief. Uh, some list more stages than others, but some of the common ones, uh, some of the several stages of grief that people go through when a loved one dies is denial. Uh, they hear the news and they're like, no, it can't be true. No, they can't be dead. No, I have to go see. Uh, no, it's, it can't be them. It has to be someone else. And so there is denial. And then there's guilt. If only I had done this differently. If I had been there, if I hadn't been there, if I had said this, if I hadn't given him that, if I hadn't given her that, um, they would still be alive. Or anger and blame. If only you, if only they, it's your fault. They would still be alive. Depression. Depression. I'm not hungry. I don't want to do this. Life's not fun anymore. I want to sleep a lot. There's no reason to go out. I'm so sad. Um, so many ways to be depressed. Acceptance. Uh, sometimes after a while, people accept. Sometimes it seems like people have accepted it like really easy, like it, but they haven't gone through stages of grief. And if you know those people and think that they've gotten over it quickly, beware, because the other stages of grief may pop up when you don't expect it. You may think everything's okay, and then all of a sudden it's not. So um, just be aware that it might uh, take extra care. That kind of rhymes. When people go through hard things, and people deal with grief differently. Uh, some people want to talk it out. Some people don't want to talk about it. Some people don't want to go to work. Some people want to bury themselves in work so they don't have to think about it. Some people want to do all they can to keep distracted. Some people want to do all that they can to focus on it. Um, anyway, grief. Godly grief is a good thing. Um, praying. We don't. Sometimes we're disappointed with God. Sometimes we ask God why. We don't turn our back on God. We don't um, hate God because we didn't get what we want or because something happened. Again, we're all going to die. We take turns dying. Um, it's sad, though, when you have to bury your child or when death is early and unexpected or when uh, cancer or something takes a uh, perfectly good life away. Anyway, um, grieving and death. Um, having full assurance of life after death. Full assurance of life after death. Paul makes it clear that when a believer dies, his soul goes to be with God. Uh, when he... When he comes for the church at the rapture, Jesus will bring with him those who have died. I'm going to talk about that next week. Though the body remains here, the real you is not your body, it's your soul. It's good to know that we won't have this body forever. We'll have a new body one day. So assurance of life after death. How do we know that we'll live again? Jesus died and rose again. He secured our salvation on the cross and triumphed over death in the resurrection. So we will have a resurrected body like Jesus 
the Son has one in 1 Corinthians 15. It talks about that. So 1 Corinthians 15, 41. Um, the sun has one kind of splendor, the moon another, and the stars another. And stars differ from stars in splendor. Soul will be with the resurrection of the dead. The body that is sown is perishable. It is raised imperishable, so it's not capable of physical corruption. It's sown, to dishon- it's sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. So it will not be disposed to being dishonorable because it will be glorious. It's sown in weakness. It is raised in power. So it will be powerful. It will be healthy. It will not be susceptible to sickness. It's sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. So since it will be spiritual, it will not be limited to natural laws. Uh, 1 Corinthians 15.50 I declare to you, brothers and sisters, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. So we will inherit the kingdom of God. We won't be prohibited from the presence of God. We will be in God's presence. That will be so awesome. Verse 51. Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed. We'll be changed. We won't be bound to this earthly body. In a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will all be changed. For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable, and the mortal with the immortality. So we'll be immortal, not disposed to death. Glorified bodies, what a great day that will be when Jesus comes for us. So the most important preparation for this life is spiritual preparation. And the only preparation for death is coming to know a life that is eternal. There's only one way to live, and that is in the Lord. There is really only one way to die, and that is in the Lord. No other philosopher has ever dared suggest an answer to death. No other intellectual discipline has ever claimed to have a sufficient solution. Only the Word of God clearly and plainly gives us directions and descriptions of eternal life. Matthew 10.33 10.39, whoever finds his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Life must be released to God to be fully lived. The ultimate lie that is that God cannot be trusted with our lives. Consider Jesus' death. He says, Father, into your hands I commend my spirit in Luke 23.46. What a beautiful way to die. He let go of life in perfect trust in God. That kind of releasing faith does not just happen. It crowns the end of a life that learned the art of letting go and letting God. So, um, some people think that I'm well-read and super smart in every way. But I just, as a disclaimer, want to thank um, Skip Heitzig and uh, the Biblical Counseling Manual, the people at Hope for the Heart, uh, for some of the words that I've been sharing because they're super helpful. And um, I'm sharing them with you. Anyway, uh, death is inevitable. You must be prepared to talk about death. You must be prepared to die. We should do all that we can to live lives so that we're making an eternal difference. And then if Jesus calls us home, that we should be ready and uh, do all that we can to uh, leave an orderly house to whoever is left behind to pick up the pieces. So uh, be prepared. Talk about death. Forgive one another. Resolve conflict. Most importantly, prepare spiritually. If your life is not right with God, through the Lord Jesus Christ, you are unprepared. Pray that the Lord will teach you to number your days. You know, Hebrews 9.27 says, Each person is destined to die once, and after that comes judgment. So the non-believer will stand and give an account of their life to uh, try to uh, 
show that uh, they merit heaven, but there is no, there's not nothing that uh, works except faith in Jesus Christ. The believer will uh, stand before the Lord and be judged for their works on earth. Uh, they will be rewarded for the things that they've done to serve the Lord, for the faithful uh, ways that they've done works. Faith without works is dead. Show me your faith by your works. Uh, God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. That is the plan. God wants us to live faithfully here, uh, to believe upon Jesus, to live for Jesus, to win people to Jesus, to make disciples for Jesus, uh, to die faithfully in Jesus, to meet Jesus face to face with confidence and assurance, and know him as our Lord and Savior. I came into a relationship with Jesus Christ by acknowledging that I was a sinner but when I realized that sin is doing anything against God's will um, and uh, asking Jesus Christ to forgive me. I did that in prayer. Prayer is a great way to talk to God. That's what it, prayer is, talking to God. So you can pray something like this. Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. Please come into my life and save me. Make me the person you created me to be. I want to follow you. I believe that you came, that you showed us how to live, that you died on the cross, that you rose again, that you ascended into heaven, and that you're coming back someday. Jesus, I thank you. Amen. So that is a great thing to pray, or pray something similar. Acknowledge your need and ask the Lord to forgive you and to come into your life and save you. And the Bible says when you do that, you receive the Holy Spirit. You become a child of God. You have a foundation for living. You are on the path to growing in Christ, to becoming more like Jesus. You are given a spiritual gift or gifts to be used for ministry in the church. You are given opportunities to do good works and the works that God had prepared in advance for you to do. You have an opportunity to rescue people from Satan's claws, to uh, rescue them from the, from the fire, from the pit, to rescue them from that future and help them to find eternity in Christ, uh, eternal salvation. So, uh, so many good things. Anyway, I'm going to talk more about that next week because I'm out of time, but uh, preparing for Jesus to come get his church. That's next week. But anyway, if you watch this, I'm glad you did. I hope that it helps you. Um, I hope that um, if you have a prayer request, you'd share that with us at riverrockchurch.com slash pray. That would be awesome. And um, we have, we're meeting, actually. We have life groups that are meeting. We've got a women's group and a men's group. Uh, we're actually doing uh, backyard clubs this coming week. Um, we've got a youth group that's meeting, um, another life group. Uh, so we're uh, meeting. Uh, small groups of people are gathering together. And uh, we want to do all that we can to make a difference in the community that we live in and whoever we can reach uh, around the world. So uh, and we, let me pray for you. <clears throat> Lord Jesus, whoever is watching this, I pray that you'd bless them and help them. Pray for jobs, for the jobless. I pray for money for those who are short. I pray for health for the sick. I pray for hope for the hopeless. I pray for courage for those who are full of fear. I pray for wisdom when it comes to sending kids back to school and uh, how we should live our lives. I pray that you take this virus away. I pray that it would just disappear. And I pray that people would turn to you and that there would be a revival in this country, in this world. And Lord, that we would honor you and that we would enjoy a time of uh, godly peace. And, uh, uh, Lord, you say that uh, you want worshipers who will worship you in spirit and in truth. Those are the kind of worshipers you speak. Let us be that. So thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen. 
You've been listening to a message from River Rock Church. River Rock Church exists to help people of all ages connect to Christ and live well lives. W stands for worshiping, E for encouraging, L for learning, and L for loving. God wants you to be well. Visit riverrockchurch.com for our latest news and to access resources to help you and the people you care about live well lives.